0: Hey there streamers, I've just been sitting around thinking about the last six months or so of episodes, thinking back on all the adventures I've had, all the movies I've seen, and we have seen some things, haven't we? There's been some fun times out in the woods, there's been some scary times inside the house, there's been demons, there's been ghosts, there's been werewolves, even met a version of myself from the future, and, well, had to kill him. It was him or me, I guess. I didn't realize it at the time, but his death was the start of it all. On the bloodstream. Board streamers, you are listening to episode 34 of The Bloodstream. I am your host Jason Gray, and this is the show where I take a deep dive into the recesses of Amazon, Netflix, whatever you got, and I come back up from the depths of some random movie that caught my eye, be it treasure or trash. This week I reeled in a little movie called Soul Fray. It's a bit of your typical monster movie on a budget. I'm just going to get right to it and get right to the synopsis straight off of Amazon five young adults suddenly find themselves hunted by a malevolent entity and must pull together to survive until dawn. And let me tell you, that is the most accurate synopsis I have read for a movie on this show in like the last month. And let me tell you, it is refreshing to have something that accurate and I don't have to go into my version of what the actual story is. Since everything's going smoothly so far, I am just going to dive right in, play the trailer, and I'll be right back.
1: Hey dude, this is so cool. You are here to cleanse yourself of that girl, not mope around and wonder what you could have said or done differently. So, you can tell me all the cool places to check out, you know?
2: Stick to the trails. Don't go off by yourself too much. Not to scare you or anything, we've just had a few people go
3: missing lately. Welcome to the family.
4: that noise? This lake is a doorway. Something is getting through from the other side. Something that shouldn't be here. Hey! This isn't a war. It's an extermination. You are one, and we are
0: Right out the gate in the movie tries throwing out that quote from Stephen King about how everyone has monsters inside them. Yeah, you're trying a little too hard to give your movie some gravitas. I'm not sure it works. But really, my quibble here is minor, and we're soon watching the actual movie, and we see some guy floating in the lake, struggling to stay afloat as he starts to drown, and his sister rushes over. She holds on to him as best she can, urging Danny to grab onto the dock and pull himself out. Because let me tell you, this is a pretty big guy, and if he goes down, he is easily going to be dragging his sister with him. And faster than you can say, fly, you fools. Danny lets go of the dock and his sister and is engulfed by the water. Claire gives a bit of a voiceover and declares that his death started it all. Well, yeah, including the start of the movie. After the credits, we meet another group of people as they're driving off into the woods. And they wake up Mike in the back seat to set up the plot, and they do it a lot better than I can, so I'm just gonna cut to the first clip.
1: Wake up, sleepyhead. We're almost there.
0: Lake
2: Merriton. Most quietest, calmest, overall peacefulest place in West Virginia.
3: You woke me up to look at trees.
2: Not just any trees, Mike. Evergreens.
1: Cheer up, Mike. After all, this whole trip is about you.
0: See now, you say that, but I actually would have been just as happy, alone, in my bedroom, at home, shades drawn, sitting in the dark.
2: See? And that's exactly why we're here. We all know what it feels like to be dumped.
0: (laughs) For the record, I did not get dumped. It was a mutual
4: agreement.
2: Sure. You guys agreed. Mutually.
4: I she was dubbing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Come on, Mikey. If you resolve to have a good week, you'll make it a good week. I'm your sister. Would I lie to you? Yeah. You wound me, Mike. I am wounded.
2: Alright, kids. Take note. Now past the last public access building for 15 miles.
0: Isn't this basically the plot from the Evil Dead remake? I mean, Jeff replaced the drug use intervention with trying to get Mike's mind off his recent breakup. And yeah, you've got pretty much the same movie. And let me tell you, I relate with Mike on a deeply spiritual level. From his oh yeah evergreens to just wanting to stay at home and wallow in the dark. They settle into the cabin as you do in these situations, Mikey is naturally still obsessing over his girlfriend. His sister and their friend A.J. give him a talking to and tell him that he should go out and do some sketching, because he used to do that all the time, and it will serve as a distraction. Instead, he distracts himself with the new girl that's going to be staying in the cabin next door to theirs. Well, that works too. But then her very shirtless boyfriend wanders out of the cabin to see how Angie's doing getting the car unpacked, and also to mark his territory. So Mikey wanders off heartbroken and starts sketching Angie. His friends try to cheer him up a bit more, encouraging him to keep talking to the girl before they drive off to run some errands. Oh, and also before they leave, they see Claire across the lake staring at them menacingly. So while Aaron and AJ are off at the hardware store, Mike's doing some sketching and Angie comes over to catch him in the act of arting. They talk a bit more and whew, Mike finds out that no, her and Pete are not an actual thing. At the hardware store, Aaron is talking with one of the employees, Vincent, and he just happens to casually mention that there's been all these disappearances lately. While they're checking out, they mention this to the owner of the store, and he does his best to try and relieve their fears. In the next quip.
2: can't seem to keep people interested in the area.
3: Don't don't let don't let that unnerve you. My. Shop boy, he would have people around here believing that folks are just disappearing, vanishing without a trace, like some sort of a ghost story or something. Simple truth is, it's pretty common around tourist season. People come and they, they see the beautiful scenery and they see our quaint, quiet little town. And they say to themselves, I think I'm going to settle down here. Seasons come, seasons change. People do too. And come winter, all of a sudden they remember, I've got something big to do back in this city. And poof, just like that, they're
1: gone. So, uh, that's your theory? Fickle Taurus?
3: That or Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot.
2: Hey, mind if I ask you a question? Oh, go ahead, shoot. We have a cabin right on the lake. belonged to my grandfather. Walter Gravewaters? Oh yeah. And right across from us is this lonely
3: looking house. The Lockwood house?
2: Yeah. Does anyone live there? I could have swore i seen a girl checking us out when we pulled in.
3: Yeah, that was just Claire. Poor Claire. Used to live there with her folks and her brother. Uh, it's just her there now.
1: They moved away?
3: Her folks did. Yeah, they tried like crazy to get her to move away with them, but uh, she was animate about staying put. Um, bought the place right out from under them. And the brother? Yeah, he drowned about two years ago now. It's right about that time that Claire lost it. We used to see her around town all the time, just smiling all the time, just, just happy all the time, but, but then, oh my gosh, after the accident, she just doesn't come out of the house at all, just to, just to come to stock up on food and lighter fluid. She feels bad about it, she really does. Uh, she was there when he fell into the lake.
0: We cut back to Mike and Angela as she's filling him in on how she is and yet isn't with Pete. It's your typical girl-stuck-in-a-relationship-with-the-bad-boy kind of idea. She's realized she wants to do better with her life and relationship choices, but she hasn't quite managed to escape from Pete just yet. Beneath this playful exterior you see, really just lies an emotionally damaged woman with a lot of scarring underneath. Uh, this was written by a dude, wasn't it? That sounds straight out of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl playbook. From there, the movie remembers it actually has a horror plot to deal with, and we cut to Claire in her basement or something, hearing voices talking to her. It's a foreign language, I think Latin, but don't quote me on that. Later that night, back at the hardware store, Vincent is still milling around doing whatever as they get ready to close up. His boss comes along, tells him, you know, finish up for the day and head home. Take a couple days off. But then he Columbo's Vincent with, oh wait, one more thing, and he goes all black-eyed and mummy-mouthed on us, with an inhuman void of a screech that just keeps going and going. This is both horrifying and hilarious at the same time. We cut away before we see anything interesting happen, and we check in ever so briefly with Pete and his dude bros asking how things are going with Angela. The only thing really of note here is reminding you that these guys exist, and we briefly see a creepy woman standing outside the window staring at them with deep sunken eyes. Probably related to whatever's going down at the hardware store. But then fortunately it's back to Mike and friends with Angela in tow, as she's inducted into the group, and because I'm tired of talking, I'm just gonna drop in a clip where things get a little bit awkward. Thank you. So, Angela, you seem like a good woman.
2: My boy sure does need one. No, 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 no. You plan on marrying no. Mike? No. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you should. No. no. You still Stop. can't tie a Stop. necktie for shit. Stop. That's your job now. AJ. <laughs> hey, AJ. I'll relax, Look, Mike. You're panicking her. Stop We're just it. having a little fun at your expense. And hers. Stop okay. It. Okay. okay, all right, okay. <laughs> Toast to the newest member of our little family, Angela O'Murphy who, to me, doesn't look Irish at all. I'm just saying. (laughs) Nice. Welcome to the family, Cabin 206.
1: Cheers, Cheers. yeah. Thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) Mm. So, it's been a while since we had another girl in our midst. Mind if I ask what shampoo you use?
2: that's my cue. Time to go do something manly. Come on, Mike, let's go chop down a tree or something. Are you, hold on, are we actually? Mike, let's go.
3: Are you? <laughs> I'll be back. Dude, um, are you,
1: are we seriously, are you just talking nonsense? Very well played, you two. <laughs> you sure know how to tag team. We have a lot of experience. So, what did you really want to talk about? You mostly. What you're looking for, what you're expecting. Oh, I see. You want to see if I'm a good fit. But don't take it the wrong way. No. No, no, no. Not at all. I wish I had a sibling who would look out for me every once in a while. I mean, see you two interact and you mean the world to Mike and Mike means the world to you. I'm just an outsider. I mean if I didn't get the third degree, I'd be kind of offended. <laughs> <laughs> well he really likes you. I I kinda like him. He's sweet. And it's been a while since a nice guy has shown any interest in me. He is probably the nicest guy that I know, and he really could use a good girl. Please, don't hurt him. I promise. I promise my
0: <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Really? Asking what she's looking for in a relationship? What she's expecting? What her intentions are? They just met like three minutes ago. And I gotta say, so far, this movie? is actually really kind of charming and endearing. I'm not quite sure how to react to that. So uh before I get any more uncomfortable here, when did the executioners start? And as if I had been heard by the movie gods themselves, some black-eyed axe-wielding maniacs take out the fuse box between all the cabins. Let's get this started. Pete's the first one down to check out the fuse box, so unlucky him, I guess. Because while he's busy checking out the sparks spitting out of the fuse box, he fails to notice the people sneaking up on him and they're about to get him, and we cut to our main four characters running through the woods. That was a sudden transfer from, oh shit, we're out of power, to running through the woods. I don't know how we got from one to the other. While they're running, Angie trips over a branch and lands on her face, and says she feels like one of those girls in a horror movie. Oh, oh sweet child. If you only knew. That's when their own black-eyed horrors show up and start chasing them some more. And AJ has the realization that they're being herded somewhere. That somewhere being the middle of nowhere for no real particular reason, but... It gives them a character moment, so whatever. Just as they're about to be attacked, Claire makes an appearance, lights off a road flare. That scares the horrors, and they all go running off. Some of them go running straight for Claire and off into the distance, despite being afraid of the road flare, but... Uh... They make it to Claire's house, she tries to get the door open while the horrors are running towards them, and Annie uses another road flare to hold them back. Look, Claire, if you want your house to be a safe haven from approaching monster hordes, do not activate an alarm system with a 427-digit passcode. The garage door opens up, Claire flicks on all her high-powered lights which keep the horrors away, and now that we're all safe and sound inside this lighthouse, as I'm going to call it, Claire is more than willing to finally supply a whole bunch of answers in the next clip. Exposition Dump Ahoy!
4: Look, you all have plenty of questions. I can understand that. I have some of the answers, but before I can have a serious conversation with any of you, I need you all to be willing to believe in some pretty crazy shit.
2: Well, you got all of us here, so tell us what you know.
4: This lake is a doorway. From where or to where I don't know. But I do know that something is getting through from the other side, something that shouldn't be here. Okay, you're talking monsters, like Swamp Thing? I'm talking about evil, pure, malicious, conscious evil. I'm talking about a darkness that is spreading like the fucking plague and commandeering the bodies of the locals. (laughs) You can't be serious. Can't I? Recognize anyone out there? Shopkeepers? Neighbors? What would you rather believe? They all suffered some sort of psychotic break together? Good people gone bad overnight?
1: I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of sickness going around.
2: Then why would we be a Ming?
1: Maybe we aren't. Maybe we're going to get sick too.
4: It's only a matter of time. We should be getting the hell out of here. (laughs) Good luck with that. I wager there are dozens of them outside right now. Waiting for one of you to step out that door so they can rip you apart. What's keeping them from getting in here, huh? They didn't have any problem getting into our place. They don't like my pretty lights. I don't know.
1: I wanna believe you. But this all sounds
2: Insane. Crazy.
4: You don't have to believe me. But if you all wanna live, you have to at least listen to me. You have no idea what you're dealing with.
2: Do you? Yeah. That's
0: that's a good point. I mean, Assuming we believe you, and that is a pretty big assumption. How do you know all this?
2: If you want us to believe you, you have to tell us everything.
4: Come with me. Who's that? Meet my brother. Why? Why is your brother chained to a chair? Because he's patient zero. If you have questions, feel free to ask. He has no reason to lie to you. He's going to kill us all anyway. Um,
2: who? What are you? We
4: are the darkness. We are infinite.
2: We are death. We? We are we one entity.
1: The little before you was one of hundreds oh just like it. It feels, it feels no, no pain. It
2: feels,
4: it feels no, no hunger. hunger. At all. No more. No life.
2: Okay, let, let's try this a different way. What do you want?
3: Freedom.
2: Freedom?
1: Freedom from the tomb in which we have been locked for so long. Freedom to walk Freedom. the world of
2: wear. So why attack us then? Why are we a threat to you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Human. you are no threat to us. We simply use your flesh as a means to an end.
4: They can only possess the dead. They wear our corpses like a suit to safely cross between the worlds.
3: Why
2: only the dead? I mean, granted, I didn't see all 28 Exorcist movies, but isn't possession something that normally happens to the living? Your
1: souls. A body with no soul has no light, a body with no light can
4: be used. You kill to extinguish your to soul. Extinguish life. Now you understand. This isn't a war, it's an extermination. By Sunrise they'll have taken the entire town.
0: Okay, that's all well and good and makes I- enough sense for these kinds of movies. But it fails to answer the one very important question. Why now? That's the thing that a lot of movies fail on, and they don't provide an answer of, why now? What is the inciting event that makes all this happen at this particular moment that we're watching? They do kind of lean towards saying that it's because of Danny's drowning in the lake. But they also say that was two years ago, so why has it taken all this time? (sighs) Whatever, the movie doesn't address it, so we just gotta roll with it. Our main four characters kind of want to fight back, but... Claire thinks it's better to just stay safe inside the house, they got all this light to keep the critters away. They just gotta bide their time for five more hours until sunrise. And Claire says she has enough provisions for twice that amount of time. Oh good, your base has enough provisions to last a whole ten hours. I'm so relieved. That's when someone notices Angie has gone missing and they find her upstairs stealing supplies to go off and check on Pete and the rest of the dude bros. Angie has a great line about it, though. They're assholes, but they don't deserve to die. Yeah, they're assholes, but they're my assholes. Mike immediately sides with her, as you do when you have a crush on someone. And the other two don't take a whole lot more convincing, even though AJ's basically like, well, all my friends are going, so I'm sticking with them, because I'm loyal to the end. You go, AJ. Claire, however, says, fine, do whatever. I'm staying here where it's safe. The four make it to the other cabin pretty quickly and start searching through it for the assholes. And oop, suddenly Claire's there anyways because she figures they took half her stuff, and if they die out here, she's never gonna get any of it back. Angie and Mike end up finding the bodies of the assholes, and Claire reminds them that dead bodies get possessed, which is when the dead bodies do exactly that and start banging on the basement door. Our heroes rig some shit up, run out of the house, And as the undead assholes try to follow them, they light off a spark and blow themselves up with a gas leak. AJ's driving the whole group away from Claire's house, saying he's had enough of this shit and is just driving straight to Canada until he can't drive no more. AJ, you're loyal as hell, and you're a man with a plan. I like you. Claire's pretty grumpy about all this, though. And as she's rambling on, I start to realize there's a flaw in all this logic. The horrors don't like sunlight, and apparently can't survive in it so what's going to happen at daybreak tomorrow comes and the threat is over or will whatever this is possessing the people come back the very next night will Claire just sit around and hope to survive the next night and the next or is she going to go get help when the sun comes up and then there's the other scenario of what happens if the horrors do get them They kill them, they possess them, they become these creatures for the next few hours, the sun comes up, and... What? They're all dead by dawn? It's kind of poorly defined, and not a whole lot of logic going on here. Ah well, plot hole aside. Claire says the horrors aren't just going to let them leave. And something will stop them. The bridges will be out, the roads will be blocked... Something will happen, like, oh, Claire's car suddenly running out of gas. Do you mean to tell me that Little Miss Emergency Preparedness Kit had a car with barely any gas left in it, or am I supposed to believe that while they were inside dealing with the undead assholes, there was another one of the horrors outside siphoning off gas? I mean, Claire doesn't seem like the type to be driving around on an almost empty tank of gas, so it clearly must have been one of the creatures, right? But if there was someone outside, why not attack them as they're running from the exploding cabin? Why even risk them getting away? Or does this evil entity have some magic fuel draining powers where it can just make the stuff disappear at the snap of a finger? Well, whatever. Now that they're out of gas, the best plan they've got is to hole up at the hardware store, where at least they can stock up on supplies and make a final stand before the sun comes up. Okay, I can get behind this. They run through the store, they gather their shit, Meet back up with an hour to go until sunrise, and Claire lays down the game plan in the next clip. We're, like, super crazy
4: fucked, aren't we? My house was built to withstand them for the night, but this place is a far cry from a fortress. There are three entrances, front, side, and rear. All of which open into either a parking lot or miles of forestry. So...
2: Or no, until the morning.
1: Do... we have... a plan?
4: Okay, listen up. Step one, barricade everything. Step two is straight tower defense. Scruffy and Babs, you guys take the front. There's no windows, so they're gonna bottleneck through this door. Light the fuckers up with whatever you got. Keep them immobilized with ranged tools. And please don't burn the place down. Babs?
2: Will that do any good?
4: It won't kill them, but it'll slow them down. All right, Rambo. You and I are gonna take the back. It's the least offended and the most exposed, so we're gonna get the most attention from them. I'll keep them off of you as long as I can, but sooner or later they are going to break through and we're going to have to fall back. Got it. Glitter, I need you to take the side door. Do you think you can handle it on your own? I'm a big girl. Last resort. One shot, point, and click. If we get overtaken, shoot center mass in any direction and try to push your way through it. Okay? Got it.
0: So they do the things, they get ready to have their own personal battle at Helm's Deep, and wait for the horrors to come. And come they do. And continuing my noticing of major logic flaws in this movie, they use guns, but say they won't stop them, only slow the horrors down. Okay, that's fair. But they still stand there, blowing through a shit-ton of ammunition, and why bother? Okay, yes, it slows them down for half a second, but Claire is doing a shit job of shooting at them. She is a terrible shot. She blows through like a dozen bullets on one person. This is a major waste in not accomplishing anything. Eventually, the advancing horrors overwhelm them, and everyone has to fall back to a central location. The horrors follow them inside and, um, don't seem to have any problem with all the lights in the warehouse being on all of a sudden. Which, one, they're supposed to be sensitive to light, and Two, I thought they cut the power. But somehow when you light off a flare, that still keeps them at bay. Anyways, things are looking pretty bleak, their supplies are almost down to nothing, and you know what they say, things are always darkest before the dawn in the final clip. Well hey guys,
4: how'd you do? Last magazine left.
2: Flares. How many of those we have left?
4: Just burned the last one. I still have my shot. Save it. Well, for what it's worth, you all did pretty well for yourselves.
0: Pretty well? Fuck you. I tore shit up all day today.
4: Take out as many as you can.
0: And just as it seems like they're done for, Claire notices something and starts shooting the tin roof of the warehouse, letting rays of sunlight stream down upon them like a shield. So great, they're now surrounded by a ring of sunlight, and that means they're safe until sunset, right? I mean, all these horrors are inside the warehouse and protected from the sun, so they're not gonna die, right? And so they'll just wait for the sun to go away, and... And oh why are they recoiling from the sunlight that's streaming straight down from the roof? <sighs> Fuck logic at this point. After the horrors declare, this isn't over, they scamper off somewhere... Guys, w- where are you going? Are, y- you should run deeper into the warehouse, right? Where it's safe? Or... Wait, what? Why are you running outside? Into the sun! The thing that kills you! Stupid, stupid rat creatures! Once the horrors have run off into the sun, AJ proudly declares that they survived! That makes them heroes! And you didn't do jack or shit! you stopped not one single monster single-handedly! All you did was not die during the night! I did that myself last night! But of course, once AJ proudly declares, Hey, we're survivors! Aaron gets stabbed right in the back by one of the creatures that didn't run off into the sunlight for... I don't know? This one actually has a brain in its head? Oh, I guess it's Danny for some reason, which makes Claire rush at him. AJ joins in, and both of them get tossed aside like they're sacks of wheat. I'd ask how Danny escaped, but at this point, whatever. Danny gets blasted with their last flare gunshot, and he somehow dies both in a spectacular fashion because of fire, and in the lamest way possible because they don't actually show it, and instead we just watch his shadow flailing on the wall. Erin dies from her wound, and the movie could and should be over with at this point. But it drags on for a little while longer, with the four remaining survivors deciding they should pair off and split up, for... safety, I guess? They seem to work really well together as a group, and also they can never go home again, or see their families, but why? The movie absolutely refuses to end at this point, while everyone sits around in their cars and chats for a bit, before finally driving off and the movie does the right thing and the credits roll. And that was, uh, Soul everyone. Like I said earlier, this movie actually has a lot of charm to it, and is weirdly sweet and endearing at times, and I genuinely like all the main characters, at least once they remembered how to act. It was a bit rough going at the start. But the movie actually managed to make me care about most of them. Soul is way better at developing characters than its plot. The characters easily carry the movie and make it an enjoyable ride, but man, those logic flaws add up after a while. And the plot ultimately going nowhere really drags it down for me. The movie is either too long and could have been cut down a bit, Or it could have been expanded just a little bit to give us more plot, explanation, and have a few things thought through a little bit better. Or something. The movie is half-assed in the ideas department. I don't think they really cared that much about working through all the logic of this and instead just wanted to have a fun horror adventure run through the woods, last stand kinda deal. And that's fair, it works, but when you sit around and start thinking about the movie, the wheels start coming off the bus. And, okay, sure, this movie is far from terrible. If you don't mind shutting off your brain for some of the more glaring problems it has, there actually is a lot here I really do like. However, there's still better ways to spend 80 minutes. This isn't terrible, it's not great, I'd honestly watch it again for the characters, so... I guess I'd say check it out if it sounds interesting or fun, or you want something that's not too challenging in the brain department. But if you miss it, you're not missing out much either. And that about wraps it up for this episode of The Bloodstream. If you've enjoyed listening to me yell at a movie for 30 minutes or so, you can find all our episodes at triskadecafiles.com tbs. You can also find all our episodes on Apple Music, Google Play, and we've just been added to iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. Just search for The Bloodstream and you should find us. We're the one that's not a medical podcast. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review the show. It's a big help and much appreciated. We're on Tumblr at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. We have a Facebook group page where I keep people up to date on what's going on with the show. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for movies, you can leave a comment at any of those places and I'll see it. Or you're more than welcome to send me an email directly at phoenix, F-O-E-N-I-X, at gmail.com. That's Phoenix with an F. And I'd like to leave you with these final words of wisdom. If the locals start telling you that a lot of people have gone missing recently, get back in your car and head home. It's probably for the best. Take care, and keep streaming.
1: survive tonight, we should have sex.